Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than hearing Jerry, 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 Jerry. What was that bald bloke's name? Oh, Jerry Springer. Sign of the times that, wasn't it? My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast, Alive and Kicking. Yes, I always think that's quite apt this time of year, because as we get into the new season, as in 2018-19 season, all I can think about is those pre-season adverts for the new season that Sky used to run. And of course, the first one in the in the Premier League era in 92-93, which we'll get to in a minute anyway, was Alive and Kicking, which is where the name of the podcast comes from, where the name of the book comes from. Book! If you not know, there's an Alive and Kicking book. Cheap plug alert, if you like what we do, it actually started as a book. Go on Amazon, type in Alive and Kicking. It's a few years old now, but it's 90s related, so it never goes out of date. Get yourself the Alive and Kicking book. Cheap plug, over. Anyway, thank you for hitting that download button and joining us once again on this nostalgic ride through 1990s football. Um, how are you doing? It's, um, it's a new season upon us, as I said, and, and that kind of leads me into what today's show will be about. Because we, we're doing our own season preview today, um, which you may ask, how are we doing that? That's not very 90s, it's it's 2018. Why are you going to be talking about Paul Pogba and Naby Keita and if Wolves are going to buy the, or not the Premier League, but maybe Europa League place? Well, this is the plan today, I to tell you, my friends. We are going to do a season preview, but we're previewing the 1992-93 season. Yeah. That's right. We thought, as everyone else this time of year is doing season preview stuff and predictions and things, let's give it a 90s twist. So once you hear, once I stop talking, we're going to step into the Alive and Kicking time machine. We're going to go back to the summer of 1992 and preview the 1992-93 season, the first season of the Premier League, like we didn't know what was going to happen, like it was starting again tomorrow. So, obviously, I don't know how that's going to work over Skype, because Skype wasn't invented, but I'm sure we'll find a way. Yeah, me and the boys, Joel Young, Matthew Christ, we're going to be talking 92-93 and how we think the season might go. Mm, And and you you may ask, why have we chosen 92-93? I think there's there's a couple of reasons why. Um, Obviously, it's a massive season of the decade, although I'm not going to sit here and say football began in 92-93, like certain companies seem to suggest most of the time. It is a massive season in the decade where a lot of things changed, not just the Premier League, but the Champions League uh, and so forth, a whole new ball game and all that uh, malarkey. But also it's a, a, a time when all three of our teams as well, um, so I, as you guys know, I'm a QPR fan, but um, Joe, of course, is a Borough fan, and Matthew, our Man United man, um, all three teams are in that division. So I thought that added a, a nice little spice to it as well, that we could we, we come in from our own perspective at the time, as well as um, from a neutral perspective, obviously talk who's going to win the league, who's going to go down, who's going to be the stars of the season, how will Euro 92 affect the England players going into 92-93, and what do we know, what do we expect from this new shiny Premier League? Yeah, that's all to come in our 92-93 season preview. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we also got an interview as well. We are speaking to former West Ham and Manchester City midfielder Steve Lomas. 
who joins us on the phone. Uh, good interview, actually. He talks uh, about those times at, at both clubs uh, and playing for Northern Ireland and bits, all bits and bobs in between. Um, he's a good talker, Steve. Um, obviously, he went into management late in his career as well. A brief stint at Millwall, I believe. And I think he did some stuff in Scotland. So that's to come as well. We did actually think about doing a show on Charity Shields because he was a Charity Shield this weekend. Um, it didn't just quite work out in terms of timing. Um, but go back on our Twitter feed at AK90s because we did show all the highlights from all the games, all the Charity Shields in the 90s on there. Uh, we could still do a show on it um, if you guys want to, to hear us talk about our memories of those games because there was some pretty decent um, Charity Shields in the 90s. I mean, now it's a bit of a glorified pre-season friendly. I don't think they take it too seriously. Although there was something about Martin Keown this week. I saw an article with him saying he used to take it really seriously like Blood and Thunder. But... I think that's his era in the 90s. That was Martin Keown for you. But yeah, go back on the Twitter feed and look at that. And yeah, let us know if you want us to talk about um, Charity Shields on the show. We definitely can. We will talk about the Leeds-Liverpool game on today's episode because that obviously leads us in to 92-93. And that was probably the, probably the best ever Charity Shield that I've seen that I can remember anyway. That was a great game uh, between Leeds and Liverpool. So that, that, that'll be good to talk about. Do you remember when it was shared? That was random, wasn't it? Because in 1990 and 91, it both shared. I think Liverpool and Man United did it in 90, and then Tottenham and Arsenal shared, uh, shared it in 91. And we've got those images of the two teams together posing with the trophy. Very odd sharing. It's very nice, very noble, but no, that doesn't happen anymore. I think it should share the charity shield. I think they should still do that. Um, talking of listening to episodes as well, new season... Obviously, there's some big memories from the 90s of opening days. So why don't you go back and listen to our opening days episode, which was our first ever episode of Alive and Kicking, way back in the archives. Myself, Joel Young, Paddy O'Sullivan, Blasco on the phone, as well as Brian Dean as our guest. We looked back at all the big moments from the opening days of the 90s. So Beckham, Ravinelli, Mark Robbins, they're all counted in that. Go back and listen to that. And also, now that we're about to preview 92-93, we've actually already done a show reviewing that season. So we're doing it in a bit of reverse here, being a bit of a time cop. Jean-Claude Van Damme, terrible 90s movie, but somehow that came into my mind. Yeah, go back and listen to that. Once you listen to this, found out what we did think of the season rather than what we're about to say about the season, if that kind of makes sense in this time-travelling world. Anyway, uh, all remains to say is drop us a follow on Twitter and a like on Facebook. Oh, and on Instagram. We are now on Instagram. Yeah, it finally happened. I finally relented. Um, go on Instagram if you that is one of your social media of choice. We are at AK90sPod on Instagram. Yet yeah, somebody took AK90s, unbelievable. So AK90s pod on Instagram um, for I'm trying to make them a bit different so you don't just see the same things you see on our Twitter feed as you see on Instagram so I'm trying to mix it up so the same pictures don't appear on both so gives you a reason to follow both so I can sort of give you double dose of Alive and Kicking and 1990s football so yeah follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram as well maybe one day we'll be on Snapchat but I think that's dying isn't it I don't know. The kids will tell me so. I don't know. I haven't got a clue. But yeah, we haven't done an Instagram story yet. There hasn't been a reason to, but we are on Instagram. So do follow us on that. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, drop us a five-star rating and review. Always helps us as we keep going through this journey. We're still going. We're nearly closing down on 100 episodes. People were worried that we would have we'd run out of things to talk about. Hell to the no. We're still talking 1990s football. And let's do that now as myself, Joel Young, Matthew Chris, special guest Steve Lomas as well. We'll go back in time to 92, 93. <laughs> 
sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Welcome to summer 1992. Yep, snap our number one with River Mother Dancer. Unforgiven is atop of the box office and we are previewing the first ever season of the Premier League. Somehow via Skype. Yes, we've, we've time travelled and, and done very well to, to visit here and to get two of my favourite people who also can't wait for this new spangled Premier League to kick off this season. Uh, a future social media mogul, Mr Joel Young, Borough fan. How are we doing? How's 1992 treating you? Well, I've just turned 16, so I'm allowed to go and buy <laughs> Regal King size. So that's quite good. That's enjoyable. Uh, I've just bought the 12-inch copy of KWS, Please Don't Go. Good, very good, good. Record. That's a good record, and, yeah. Um, yeah, and The Simpsons is still in its golden age. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it would you know, be drawn differently in the future or, or use any computer. I think it should just stay in its kind of fuzzy kind of cartoonness. I think it's, it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's... Like but it's my first introduction to something called binge watching. I think oh, it's done okay, by yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's on that a new that Sky One that new channel I think that's launched, isn't Sky, it? Sky, it's on Sky One. It used to be Sky Channel. Yeah. Sky Channel, yeah, of course. Sky. I think they're going to be big. Those guys. Um, also, a future writer for many across something called the well, the internet as well. He'd be he'd be tweeting all about it. That's the thing. That's just started actually. Ash in nineteen ninety two. There you go. It's just it's going to be something that's going to be massive, and this guy's going to be writing all over it. He is a journalist. He is Matthew Christ, our Man United fan. How you doing, Matthew? Well, actually, I must say I'm currently writing uh, for the Bucks Free Press in High Wycombe. Oh, nice. As a, as a junior, uh, a junior writer, as we speak. Oh. Um, but um, I, I have to tell you, Ash, I'm absolutely devastated. Obviously, as you can imagine, uh, with United blowing the league as they did uh, towards the end of last season, it looked. Looked come Christmas time that um, United were going to win their first league in in 26 years, and then thanks to a, a defeat to QPR on New Year's Day, and then a terrible run in, and then obviously blowing it at Anfield on the last penultimate game of the season. And then, to be honest, I think we've had our chance. I, I just can't see United ever winning the league again in my lifetime. To be honest, I, I really can't. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to your chances in a minute. But yeah, that night, that four-one at Old Trafford, I think we're still living off that uh, at QPR because not, not much else has happened in the summer uh, at Jerry Francis and Loftus Road. Uh, it's been a quiet summer at Loftus Road, but again, yeah, we'll get to that as well. Um, but yeah, it's for me, 1992. I'm a, I'm, I'm a nine, ten-year-old. I'm looking forward to the new season. I'm looking forward to the Premier League. Uh, much better than we enjoyed Euro '92. I mean. Um, what, it wasn't a great tournament for, for England at Euro 92, so let's, let's not dwell on what happened then. Let's dwell on the Premier League. How much are you looking forward to this, Joel, to this new league? I mean, for all sets of purposes, we've just changed the patches and changed the name on, our, uh, on everything else, haven't we, really? Well, what are we expecting from this newfangled league? Everything's going to be exactly the same. It's still the same league. It's still got 22, uh, it's still got 22 teams in it. It's just going to be exactly the same, except we're going to watch games on a Sunday afternoon. And weirdly, on a Monday night, who wants to go to a match on a mon- Monday night? Honestly, this can't end well. There'll be games on a Friday night and a Thursday night before you know it. 
Oh, I can't imagine the games on a Friday night. That that would be sacrilegious. Mondays, I mean, we're kicking off on Monday. We are the first ever Monday night football, as it's called. I suppose it's an American thing they've taken because the NFL does Monday night football, doesn't it? It's Manchester City versus Queen's Park Rangers on Monday night. So, yeah, that'll be a first for us all. Is, uh, is that at Main Road then? It's at Main Road, yeah, the ground of Manchester City, of course, managed by Peter Reid, who goes into his still player manager as well. Um, so we'll talk about City in a bit and we'll also talk about all the other teams going back to back but Matthew for you I mean Match of the Day is back on our screens as well BBC have now got the highlights that's a good thing so how much are you looking forward to the a whole new ball game as Sky Sports are calling it yeah well I'm glad that um, BBC have got Match of the Day because I don't know about you lot but I'd be buggered if I'm paying uh, for one of those B, uh, B Sky B is it BSB boxes I mean the thought of actually having to pay to watch uh, live football especially Monday nights and Sunday afternoons and I just can't I mean who's going to do that I can't see it catching on I mean I think they'll I think they'll learn their lesson and in the end they'll have to they'll have to drop that because I just can't see people actually paying extra to um to watch football but uh, uh I, I I could be disproved I'm sure but um well, well I've got it. a friend who's I've got a friend who's got it and he tapes us the wrestling we go around and Watch the wrestling tour, please. Let's go around and watch, you know, a bit of the football if we're about on a Monday night, you know. But I don't know whether I'm particularly bothered about watching Man City versus QPR <laughs> on a Monday night, with all respect, Ash. Or even, to be honest, Forest and Tottenham Hotspur on a Sunday afternoon, really. Wow. Well, we'll see how it catches on. And, and not just that, I've read that they're talking about really, you know, jazzing it all up and having dancing Cheerle- girls and cheerleaders and. People parachuting into the onto the pitch and, uh, and the people... bloke and the bloke off TBM doing all the stuff in with a hairy hand. Yeah, Richard Richard oh. Keys is it? I think he's called. <laughs> yeah, Rich, yeah, Richard Keys. Yeah. Well, the coverage starts on Sunday at one o'clock, but the game's not at four till four o'clock. So. Well, got... that's what we need, three hours of build-up. So it's going to be like an FA Cup final build-up, so I don't oh, know how great. they're going to fill that, so that'll be interesting. A lot of advert breaks, I imagine, but we'll all be tuning in. Well, I say we'll all be tuning in. Who's got Sky? I, I, have, I haven't in my house yet, so I can see somebody down the street in my road who's got a big dish outside their house it'll be like the 1950s everybody will be looking through somebody's window to watch the coronation <laughs> they probably probably will so yeah so it's the premier league it's the lion badge that we've seen the advert that sky are running it's got a great theme tune i think it's called alive and kicking simple uh, simple minds i think sing that um, it's so, quite an old song, though, isn't it? It's actually like an 80s song, yeah. so why it's happening in the 90s, God knows. I know, but I think it's an apt choice. They, that could be used for many different things in the future, I played, imagine. They could have played Ebenezer Good or, uh, you know, the, the whole manner of other songs from 1992. Deeply Dippy, you know, that's a good pop song. <laughs> I'm not sure that... Well, you know, that might work with Paul Stewart driving in a you know, Porsche into his training ground and uh, the guys in the changing room and stuff but who's Borough's player the money a football player's on in 1992 to have Porsches I know Paul Stewart's just uh, just moved and everything but you know Porsche for a football player come on yeah, he's... I don't think I don't think it's his. I think they've uh, just loaned him that for the um, that glitzy new TV commercial. I think it's just uh, you know I'm sure he drives a, uh, a Fiat. Uh, I was going to say a Fiat, a Ford Focus or a Ford Fiesta or um, yeah. maybe a Granada, Granada, I think it is. Or... or Granada, yeah, that'd be nice. Ford Fiesta. Yeah. Sponsored, mm. probably with his name down the side. Mm. Yeah, like I'm just, just looking at the, uh, the, the, the the players in that advert. So the the Borough player is, is it, uh, where am I looking at the Borough? Oh, it's Kernigan. Alan Kernigan in the front row, yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about Man there with Lee Sharp. Sexy Lee Sharp looking then. A lot nice array of, yeah. nice array of kits this season as well. I'm a big kit fan, so we'll be talking a bit about those in just a bit. Uh, Andy Sinton is our representative, talking sitting there front and centre as he bloody well should be as well. 
Um, so that's, that's talk. That's look at the season. I mean, we just had the Charity Shield, one of the best uh, Charity Shield games that I can remember. Champions Leeds taking on Liverpool at Wembley. 4-3. Uh, Matthew, what do you think of this game? This was uh, quite the game, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, two of my two of my favourite teams, obviously Leeds and Liverpool. I didn't actually see this game, because I was at Finsbury Park watching Madstock, uh, the reunion, uh, the big gig there at Finsbury Park that was taking place the same day as this. So I was... I was keeping up with the result or the scores on um, somebody had a transistor radio there and they were breaking the, the scores to us all, um, obviously, because we couldn't get anywhere to watch it on the television. But um, from what I heard of it, it was quite a topsy-turvy game and there was quite a comical own goal, I think, from um, Gordon Strachan. Um, a bit of uh, calamity defending from Liverpool with uh, Bruce Grobler and uh, Mark Wright getting into a bit of a mess for uh, Cantona's goal. And um, I mean... If the season is going to be anything like this game, in a nutshell, it's going to be quite an exciting season. I must admit, I do think Liverpool are one of my tips for um, for the season. And uh, Leeds, obviously, being champions, you, you've got to fancy them to uh, defend their title um, strongly um, that they won last season. So, yeah, like I said, I didn't see the game myself but um, because I was too busy watching the likes of Flowered Up and Madness and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Ian Jury at, down at Finsbury Park. But... Um, but yeah, from what I heard, it was a great game, and it's got to fill you with confidence for um, for the season to come. I think they could well be. They could well be Matthew. Two of the teams involved. Before we talk about the, the title race, uh, Joe, what were your thoughts on the charity show? Mister Cantona, who's somebody that came into the Leeds team at the back end of last season, he could be uh, one to watch this season for, for United if they're going to go and, and retain that championship. Well, let's look at this. If he scores a hat trick every game, that's forty-four games times three. That's what, 132 goals, something like that. So I think he could be onto a winner, really, uh, if he can keep up such a monumental strike rate. But, you know, he's bounced around a bit, that lad, hasn't he? You know, he's been all over the place in France, got kicked out of the French team, got rejected by Sheffield Wednesday. Now he's, you know, he's at Leeds, but, ugh, you know, we'll see what happens with him. So what do we think about Leeds? I mean, they, they won the title last season. They're going to go into the, the new season in the, the first of the Premier League. So they're the old champions of the old first division, as it's now called. Um, they've only brought in one player. They've brought in David Rowcastle, who's ended his association with uh, Arsenal after nine years. Um, and, also, and also Scott Sellers from Blackburn. So they've, they've added to their midfield. Uh, do you think, Joel, they're relying too heavily on the team that, that won the championship last season? Yes and no, you know, they've freshened up with a couple of new faces. That's all you need every year, isn't it? To add two or three that are better than you ones you got, you know. Obviously, we all know Rocky's a quality player. Is Scott Sellers as good as anything they've already got? I'm not sure about that. I mean, maybe he's been bought to, uh, you know, get some splinters in his bum. But, um, yeah, we'll see. They'll be there or thereabouts. Leeds, no danger. I mean, it pains me to say it, but, yeah, totally, they'll be up there. And worth about Matthew, you obviously went head to head with Leeds last season uh, with Man United. We'll talk about United, Man United in a second, but Leeds. I mean, they're relying heavily again on that young midfield of Speed and Batty, adding the experience of McAllister and obviously Cantona, as we spoke about, and Lee Chapman. Can he be relied on? Come on again. What do you make of Leeds' chances this season? Yeah, well, there, there was a popular view at the end of last season that Leeds didn't actually win the league. Uh, United threw it away. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that's the case because uh, obviously Leeds were a fantastic team and they did what they needed to do at the end of the last season when United uh, failed miserably. But um, now I think they've got every chance of, of, of defending their title. The, the one thing that I think they might struggle with is the uh, the new rule that's coming this season with the uh, the banning of the, the back pass. Of course, and, yes. Um, now, my, you know, having watched a lot of Leeds last season, I know they were quite partial to um, giving the ball back to John Lukic, who would then <clears throat> punt it long down the field and 
looking for flick-ons and, and scraps, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, unless they adapt, they might struggle slightly with um, with that, that change to the change to the game, which obviously might catch out a lot of teams uh, going forward. I'm sure a lot of teams are prepared for it because um, we've known this is going to happen now for some time. But uh, Leeds, they might, have to, uh, they might have to adapt their game somewhat, particularly away from home. Otherwise, they might struggle. But um, I think they'll be all right with their home form. And also they've got the European Cup, or it's going to be renamed the Champions League to contend with this season. And they open that with a game against Stuttgart uh, next month. Um, Let's talk Man United then, Matthew, because as you said, uh, you... Most of the consensus is that Man United threw away the league last season. Again, it's that long, long wait. We're going 25, 26 years now for a title race. Last season, you had Ryan Giggs, who was the PFA Young Player of the Year. Gary Pallister was the Player of the Year. So all the awards went United's way, but the big one went to Leeds. You've brought in Dion Dubling, the, the young lad from Cambridge. You've let Mark Robbins go. So how how is the squad shaping up ahead of the new season? Well, yeah, I mean, thanks for reminding me. I mean, when the way you put it like that, there are maybe... There are a lot more positives than I'm I'm giving them credit for at the minute, but at the minute I still haven't got over that monumental collapse from sort of Easter onwards. Really, I mean, obviously Easter Monday lost at home to Forest, then lost away at West Ham a couple of days later, and then never really got over that. And like I say, it was it was all capped off with a horrendous afternoon at Anfield, and uh, Liverpool fans couldn't wait to remind us that we hadn't won the league for 25, 26 years. I mean. I can't. They obviously can't imagine what it must be like to go 25, even 30 years, possibly without winning the league. So they'll probably never know what that feels like. Um, but um, yeah, looking ahead to this season, um, yeah, let's hope that some of the young kids, uh, sharp gigs, uh, progress slightly. Um, I, Dion Dublin, we're not sure. He's obviously scored a lot of goals in the lower lower divisions, but um, whether he's up to up to it in the uh, in the big league, I'm not sure. I wonder whether United might need somebody. A bit more calibre, really, up front. Well, Cambridge, Cambridge did finish fifth in the in Division Two last year, so you know he can't be all that bad. No, 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 no. But our goals, we were desperately short of goals towards the end of last season. I mean, that's obviously what cost United so heavily in that run. In they just couldn't couldn't find the back of the net. So many games, so many points dropped um, in terms of uh, not scoring goals and, and a lot of draws. So uh, I think Alex Ferguson's looking for somebody to find the net. And yeah, you can't knock Dion Dublin's. Scoring ratio in the uh, for Cambridge, but uh, we'll, we'll yet to see whether he can he can do it in the uh, in the big time. I, I I'm not optimistic, Ash. Like I said at the beginning, I'm I'm finding it more less and less likely that I'm going to see United ever win the league in, in my lifetime. I think we had the biggest chance last season and and blew it spectacularly. So um, yeah, I mean, ask me if we're still chatting in the next 25 years or so. You can ask me again then, but. Um, at the minute, I can't. I can't see it. I really can't. And a little word on Mark Robbins. Obviously, a big part of the Alex Ferguson's early days. He's now been sold to Norwich. Um, it's sad to see him go. Yeah, because he's. Um, I remember obviously a couple of years ago when um, United had that epic FA Cup run. Obviously, got to Wembley and won the cup, Ferguson's first um, first trophy, and it was all thanks to Mark Robbins. He got a winner away at Forest in the third round and was. Was prominent throughout the run, really, and uh, played against Oldham in the semi-final, scored in the replay, and he was. Um, we, I think, United fans owe him a huge debt of gratitude, really, for what he did, and uh, it's just sad that he. Um, there's no place for him in, at the club. Maybe he knows something that we don't. Maybe he's thinking that going to Norwich might might uh, improve his chances of winning things, and maybe he thinks United are a busted flush like myself. But um, yeah, I wish the lad all the best, and hope hope it all works out for him. 
Joe, any can you shed any light? Can you any sort of light for the Man United fan, Matthew? There, what what do you think of Man United going into the well, season? Well, I mean, they managed to beat us in the League Cup semi-final over two legs. Yeah, one of the few highlights of that that run in uh, that March. We, yeah, we played you, didn't we, in March? It was pouring with rain at Old Trafford, and uh, yeah, I think back then we all thought we were going to win the win the lot. But um, yeah, thanks for that, Joe. Thanks for cheering me up. <laughs> oh well, yeah, at least you won the match. We didn't. Yeah. Well, we wanted to concentrate on finish second, finishing second in the league anyway. So yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I think obviously you've got the best young player going there in uh, gigs. You know, there's sharps there. There's you know, there's something with a young team. Whether they're going to have the mental strength, I think, to come back because when something like that happens, you sort of got to think it's going to take the toll mentally on everybody. But um, wait and see. They'll be up there. You know, you'll be looking at top six, something like that. Well, we'll see. Let's look at a couple of other challengers. Who uh, the favourites at the moment by the bookies going into the season look to be Arsenal. Um, obviously, um, they they, uh, they won the league two seasons ago. They 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 had an up and down season last year. They did go seventeen games unbeaten um, during ninety one ninety two. So that they, they were there are teams to be messed with. Uh, David Rocastle has less than Perry Groves as well. The one of the fans' favourites has gone, but Jon Jensen has come in, who was of course a hero for Denmark as they went on to triumph in the summer at, at Euro ninety two. Um, so how are we seeing Joe Arsenal going into the season? George Graham still there, still the bulk of a, a very good team. Ian Wright in his first full season as well. They're going to be take some stopping, aren't they? Well, they're going to be up there, thereabouts. I mean, last season, what, did they finish 10th, I think, last year, something like that? Uh, so, obviously, yeah, a bit sort of upsy-downy. But you know what Graham's like? 1-0 to the Arsenal and all that. And now in Ian Wright, you know, and he's probably settled in. We saw what he did at Palace over and over again, you know. Uh, we'll talk about Palace in a bit. But, uh, yeah, they'll be up there. It'll be interesting to see how Jensen fits into everything there. But, obviously, you've still got... Rockcastle's gone, but you've still got Merson. You've still got... Ian Wright, you've still got like that good strong back four. I think they bought who, they bought somebody else. Who have they bought? I've written everything down, you know. Um, are, you, are you looking in your latest copy of Shoot there? Yeah, yeah I'm looking at that. Yeah, um, Steve Morrow. Steve Morrow, I was a young lad from Barnet. Yeah, 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 he could. Yeah, so a bit a bit unknown from him. I did look at his well, stats. That's, you know, you know what George Graham's like. You know, he likes to go and buy a player that nobody really knows about. So there you go. Yeah, Northern Irish, I think he is. And Northern Irish and yeah. on the cusp of the squad as well. So, yeah, maybe we'll see a bit of Steve Morrow in the coming season. Uh, and Matthew, throwing it over to you about Arsenal. And, and you and Man United and Arsenal obviously had some fracas in the early seasons a couple of years ago. So what do we what do we think? Is there going to be more battles with Arsenal on the pitch come this, this season as well? Yeah, obviously there's a bit of bad blood there. It goes all the way back to, <clears throat> what... Four, four or five years ago, back at the end of the 87-88 season when Brian McClare missed a late penalty at Highbury and United went out of the cup and himself and Winterburn had a bit of a, uh, bit of a push and shove. And then um, October 1990, there was a, a huge brawl on the pitch there at Old Trafford, a 21-man brawl, which saw both teams getting to points deducted. So, um, yeah, you could say there's no, no love lost there. Um, like Joel says, I'm interested to see how John Jensen... Uh, fares in the Arsenal team because obviously a, a month or so ago we saw him cracking that fantastic goal in the in Euro '92 and um, apparently he's got a great shot on him and you know I, I think he could be a you could maybe he could be a good scoring threat for Arsenal going forward and uh, be interesting to see how he how he gets on in English football. Yeah, they'll need more goals from midfield definitely that's for sure and um, although they have got Ian Wright, Alan Smith of course, Kevin Campbell coming through so there is some attacking in their front line so it's it's. Obviously, why they are one of the favourites going into the season. Um, let's look at a couple of others before we take a quick break. Um, Liverpool—they've brought in Paul Stewart from uh, from Tottenham. Paid and a million. Porsche. 
Andy's Porsche, of course, have we seen from the, the Sky Sports advert that, that's showing at the moment. David James has come in, the young lad, uh, goalkeeper from Watford, for a million pounds. They've also brought in some interesting uh, foreign names in Torben Peaknik and Itzvan Kotsma. So we, we, to, we saw Kotsma at the weekend at the Charity Shield come on. So what we'll know about them, we'll see in the future. Graham Soonis has got his scouts all over Europe, clearly, getting these players in. Um, Liverpool, they're always there or thereabouts. We haven't quite seen Graham Soonis take it on from a league point of view. Obviously, they won the FA Cup last season and he's first full season in charge but as one of the big rivals to Man United how are we seeing Liverpool do Matthew? Yeah well like you know I'm a bit pessimistic about United and to make things worse I get the feeling that Liverpool could be sort of in the ascendancy as we go into this season obviously they haven't won the league now for what two seasons but I can't see them waiting that long now I think uh, I think it's only a matter of time before they win the league title again um, and uh, like you say the, like the addition of a young keeper David James England prospect got some young players there from last season Steve McManaman um, I, I fear, I fear for them. Really, I think they could be. Uh, I think this could be their year, so to speak. Um, like I say, they haven't won the league for a couple of seasons, and I can't see them going much longer without winning it again. So um, I think whoever finishes above Liverpool will probably be uh, be the champions. To be honest, Joe, Joe, do you think they've got a point to prove yet? I mean, Graham Soonis, he did win the FA Cup last year, but we still haven't seen what he's done at Rangers. Sort of come down here and do the same yet? Are we still, he's still kind of trying to make a point for Liverpool. Well, let's be. Let's be honest, you know, they only beat Sunderland in that cup final, yep. so it wasn't exactly the hardest competition they'd ever have to face. It's going to be quite interesting, I think, because I think the situation between Liverpool, between Graham Souness and the Liverpool fans is, is kind of a bit strained at the minute, thanks to his exploits with a son. Uh, obviously, that front cover after his heart surgery. Yep. Um, so that could be quite tricky, uh, I think. But, you know, there's a nucleus of a good side there, and, and Stuart will do well, I think. And, you know, you talk about the young players there, McManaman. and James didn't get on at all, did he, the other day? It was still... Uh, was it they had Grobler in goal for the charity shield, yeah. yeah. So they're obviously looking to the future, though. So that's an interesting thing. But it's quite interesting at, at Rangers as well, is that sort of all that team... Um, Graves and S's team with lots of English imports that's been sort of dismantled and lots of Rangers players are coming down to um, the English league so yeah one team I would look out for and one team who I suspect has upset me you and Matthew Ash is uh, Blackburn Rovers who prized Stuart Ripley from us uh, Roy Wegley from QPR yeah. and 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 Alan Shearer this young goal scoring machine from Southampton decided to go to Blackburn Rovers and Kenny Dalglish over Manchester United and Alex Ferguson. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about the promoted teams then because we'll also come on to Middlesbrough as well. But yeah, you mentioned Blackburn there. It's, it's kind of unprecedented to see they've come in here and like you say, they've bought Stuart Ripley for 1.3 million. They've broken the British transfer record to buy Alan Shearer and Man United were sniffing around as well and Alan Shearer has decided to go to um, Blackburn instead. And yes, they've bought in Roy Wegley, who's unfortunate his time... It's kind of been up at QPR ever since Jerry Francis came in. It's not really been his kind of player. He sort of excelled under Don Howe, but Jerry hasn't really found a place for Roy Wigley. Guide for me, he's one of my favourite players, uh, one of my favourite players of all time, actually, I think, uh, in a QPR shirt. So, I mean, it looks like they've got a good attacking force. They've got the nucleus of the team that have got up. They've got some stalwarts there, like Colin Hendry. What can Blackburn do, Joe? I mean, you would have seen them last season. What sort of player is Stuart Ripley as well, for those of us who haven't seen much of him? Oh, Stuart Ripley does nothing apart from beat his man and cross the ball about 15 times a game. You know, he's uh, skin and rippers is always the shout at uh, Ayrson Park, you know. Uh, no, just wonderful, tricky, intelligent, wonderful crosser of the ball. And they've got themselves a bit of a winner there. I'm kind of disappointed that uh, we've let him go. But, you know, he obviously thinks the grass is greener over the other side of the Pennines, I suppose. 
Mm. And, and Alan Shearer, Matthew, what, you know, we saw last season at Southampton. I mean, he scored a hat-trick with his J- debut, of course, memorably, against Arsenal a few seasons back. Do you think he's got what it takes? Didn't really have a, a good Euro 92, but then most of the England players didn't. So we're still waiting to see him make an impact in an, in an England shirt. But do you think he can do that at Blackburn rather than at Old Trafford? Well, I'm, I'm disappointed. Like I said a while ago, I think United missed out last season because of a lack of firepower. And I think um, there was obviously talk in the summer of... Ferguson showing a bit of interest in this young lad and um, whether that was true or not we don't know maybe we'll never know but um, personally I th- I'd love to have seen United make an effort to sign him because it seems like there's uh, there's a lot of promise I've seen him play for the England uh, under 21 team and he's been banging in the goals at that level and um, he's obviously progressed now to the to the full England team whether he whether he gets much of a chance we will have to wait and see but there's obviously something happening at Blackburn a lot of people are accusing them of uh, of buying success, obviously with the uh, the owner there pumping his money in, but um, how they how they fare in the Premier League, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think Shearer's definitely one to watch for the future. And obviously, United missed out this time, but um, who knows whether they their paths will cross again in the future. You know, maybe we can only hope so. What's really interesting about Blackburn is, to, so last season, they uh, they won the playoff, they beat Leicester at Wembley, but their two top scorers, David Speedy and Duncan Shearer, have both left the club, both scored 23 goals last season, but they've obviously seen them not good enough for the top flight. Speedy's gone to Southampton and Duncan Shearer has gone to Aberdeen, up to the, to Scotland. So that will be interesting to see this. It's a, clearly a new strike force led by Alan Shearer and whether it will be Roy Wegley. I know Mike Newell is still there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Blackburn do in the Premier League this season. We're going to talk about the other two teams, including Middlesbrough, Joel's team, uh, in the promoted teams in the Premier League and how they're going to do once we come back after the break. This is Gary Stevens, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Hope you're enjoying our season preview of 1992-93. Here in 2018, though, we've got an interview for you. Somebody who actually played in that 92-93 season, he was at Manchester City at the time. Also played for West Ham in that decade, as well as Northern Ireland as well. Former midfielder Steve Lomas is talking to us ahead of a new football tournament that he's involved in called the Football Sevens. It's a new tournament where thousands of grassroots sides will compete in the championships, being hosted in 28 different countries, with the finals being played in Dubai in March 2019. There's a total of £750,000 up for grabs, plus a trial at a top Premier League club for the winning side as well. The teams who actually will go to Dubai in 2019 next year will be managed by the likes of Steve, as well as Arsenal players like Ray Parler, uh, Tottenham legend Ozzy Ardilis, Clive Allen and many others. Uh, For more information and to sign your team up, head to www.thefootballsevens.com. But first, here's me talking to Steve Lomas about the tournament and about his career in uh, the, the 90s, of course, for West Ham and Manchester City. Talking to me earlier this week on Alive and Kicking. Joining me on the line now, pleasure to speak to uh, a big face of the 1990s football, both at uh, Manchester City and West Ham United, which we'll get on to speaking to, Mr Steve Lomas. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to, to speak to you. And um, Let's take you right back, first of all. Um, you were born in Germany, so how did someone who was born in Germany via Northern Ireland end up at Manchester City in 1991? Tell us the story. 
Well, my dad was in engineers and was serving out at the time when obviously, uh, well, my mum and mum and dad met uh, originally in Northern Ireland, and then he he was posted to Germany. So, obviously, I came along out there uh, on a military base in Hanover, and um, then we eventually went back to Northern Ireland a year or so later via Hong Kong. So, you know, it was pretty exotic the first couple of years, but then back to settle roots in Northern Ireland where my, my mum's from, and. Um, Obviously, spent the next 14, 15 years there. Mm. And how did you end up uh, at Manchester City? Where? How did your football journey take you there as, as the first club you played for? Well, I was there's a big tournament over in Northern Ireland. It's still going. It's one of the biggest youth tournaments, the Milk Cup. And I, I played in that. And there was a local scout called uh, Peter Neil, a um, local man, who took a few of us over on trial to Man City. And it all sort of set off from there at um, the age of 12. And they liked what they'd seen. And, um, signed me on schoolboy forms at, at 14, um, and then obviously I, I ended up becoming captain of Northern Ireland schoolboys at 15, and I signed apprentice professional at 16 um, for for Man City, and it, it sort of started and, and escalated from there. You, I like I like to talk to you guys of this era because it's very different now. So were you the, sort of the YTS? Did you do all the jobs and everything like that when you were in the youth team? Because it's something we don't see today. Was that part of your era? Yeah, it was, and you know, we, you know, I look back on it now. Probably some of the things that that that, that went along would, would well, well, certainly wouldn't happen nowadays. But I do think that that it was certainly a good grounding. Um, I look back on them years with fondness. Obviously, you know, having the muck in, not just playing, but obviously doing the jobs and and um, you know, it was certainly a great apprenticeship. You know, not just for football, but but life skills and. Um, you know, certainly if you made it, you earned it. Um, and that was certainly the way um, it was when I was growing up. Mm. And you made your debut in 1991. I mean, for, for those who weren't away in the Manor City we see, we see now, what sort of club were Manchester City in the early 90s? Yeah, there, there was a club. It was never far from a crisis. Um, <laughs> been probably in the 80s, it, it bounced up and down. Um, but then they, they got a bit of uh, stability going and, you know, how Kendall probably started that off. Um, Peter Reid then took it on and had a couple of, you know, you know just at the start of the Premier League was starting up and had a couple of good seasons um, there. Uh, and, um, you know, we're, we're a decent club, very well supported, um, you know, very loyal uh, support base. Um, main road was a was a big old pitch, big old ground. I think the Kipax was the the biggest standing area in in the whole of England. I think it was over twenty thousand. So you know it did create a good atmosphere. Um, but obviously at them days, um, very much behind Man United in terms of the financial clout, in terms of you know buying players. So you know obviously they were known as the noisy neighbours. Um, obviously not the case now where. Sheikh Mansur's come in and just um, you know blown, just blown Man City into the top echelons of of, of world football. Mm. We had a lot of manager turnover. I seem to remember in the mid nineties, what with Peter Reid and Brian yeah. Halton and then Alan Ball. I mean, is that always unsettling? Because mm. you were quite an established. Yeah, I think I think it was. You know, yeah. Well, it sort of worked in one way. Um, you know, Brian Horton came in and he was the one that gave me my debut. Whether. Um, I think I was due to be um, swapped for somebody at Preston um, when Peter was there. Um, so um, you know, sometimes it's 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 unsettling, but it, you know, it was certainly a stroke of fortune for myself. Um, Brian came in and, and played me, and I made twenty odd games in that first season, and it sort of kick-started me. Unfortunately, I thought Brian was a little bit unfairly. 
frustrated. Um, I think he was making a good team. Um, and, you know, Francis Lee then became the chairman and wanted to bring his own man in, which was Alan Ball. And obviously, Bally came in and um, obviously the year later we got relegated. So, you know, as any club that has been relegated, it, 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 it makes it unsettling because your better players go. You know, the wage bill has to be trimmed. And that was certainly the case at Man City. Mm. What went wrong that season? Because you look at the squad, you mean you had to still have guys like yeah. Mark Queen and yourself. What what didn't happen for City in, in that season that we got relegated? Um, I think, if, if I'm being brutally honest, I think we, Alan, came in and got rid of too many seniors too quickly, looking at the likes of, you know, Tony Colton, um, Keith Curl, Terry Phelan. Um, we had injuries to people like Peter Beagree, um, which didn't help. And I think... You know, Paul Walsh as well went. Um, I think, you know, them senior players were, were good to have around. And, and if we're being honest and brutally honest, probably what he, he, he exchanged for them players um, weren't of the same calibre. Mm. Uh, and that, that's ultimately, listen, we brought in Georgie Kinklazi, and a super player um, that he was, but it really took us and Georgie probably four or five months of the season uh, and that was really we had a terrible start I think we had two points three points after eight or nine games and it, you know I think the second half of the season you know we were probably top 10 for him but the start of the season had really really put us into a relegation battle almost from day one uh, and, and we almost made it but obviously got done on goal difference on the last day which you know was a bitter pill to swallow you mentioned King Cladsey. He's often a favourite when we talk to people on yeah. the podcast because he's such a of that era. And we've spoken to Paul Walsh in the past. Though, who said he, he, although he was a genius, he could be quite frustrating at the same time. How did you find playing with, with King Cladsey? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, I think Alan wanted to build a team around him, pretty much what he did with Matt Letizia at Southampton. Mm-hmm. But the, the real difference between that was, you know, Matt scored twenty goals a season. So, you know, as good as Georgie was, um, I think his stats might have been six goals that season and, and maybe six or seven assists. It, 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 and listen, you, you can look at it both ways. Maybe Georgie needed to be in a better team, if we're being honest. Um, you know, there's no doubt in his ability, you know, in terms of skill. Probably as good as I've seen um, and played with. Um, but in terms of, of doing it, um, you know, we he probably needed a better team, and and we needed to be a bit more flexible in in, in how we attack. You know, teams could could shut Georgie down, uh, and like I said, the first four or five months he really struggled with the pace, but you know he finally adapted and showed what he he could do. But unfortunately, like I said, the damage was done that season in the first ten games. Mm-hmm. There's a famous story, obviously, at the last game of the season at Liverpool where. Yeah. Uh, Alan Ball hadn't realised that you guys needed more than a draw and yeah. to, did you know on the pitch how was that message well Alan actually I was the one that was holding it in the corner um, yeah, it was really listen if it wasn't so serious it was, it was comical yeah. um, obviously Alan had said to me we got back I think we were 2-0 down we got back to 2 each and Alan had obviously had word um, that, that a draw was enough and um, you know saying to me listen kill the game we don't need to so I'm in the corner fending all comers off and the next thing I see big Niall Quinn running down the touchline with one shoe on. He had just been subbed, saying, listen, we need more. Uh, I think we eventually, I think we had another chance and Kit Simons hit the post from, from a header to make it 3-2. Um, but uh, unfortunately, like I said, you know, it wasn't meant to be and we went down in goal difference with, with 38 points, which, 
if you if you think about two points after eight games, um, you know we we got another thirty six points in, in in thirty games. So, like I said, the, the second half of the season was decent. It wasn't just that one game. Mm. Although you know it was, you know it, it was farcical in, in how it, how it happened in terms of you know in terms of holding in the corner and, and stuff like that there. But the the damage had already been done at the start of the season, and um, you know it, it would have probably been a bit of a miracle if we had a would have would have would have got up. But you know I think as well I think Wimbledon and I think Southampton or maybe it was Southampton and Coventry had produced miracle. Miracle results in the last sort of four or five games, which you'd you'd never give them a chance. I think Coventry went away and beat Wimbledon, who finished sixth in the league, and I think Southampton went and beat somebody else. So it was a it, it, it was an all round. It was just fate. I think it was it was meant to happen. Mm-hmm. He spent a season in in the Championship or the First Division as it was mm-hmm. then before moving to, to yeah. West Ham. Was was West Ham the destination? Was there other clubs involved, or was it always up to? Well, I turned not. I think I, well, obviously the year we went down, I turned down and moved to Wimbledon. Um, I wanted to try and be loyal and try and get Man City back, but I think it got to a stage. I think you know that's when we had a massive turnover of managers that sort of season. Yeah. Um, Alan Ball got sacked. Then there was a film came in. Lisa Hartford. I think TV Cobble came in for 60 days. And eventually, Eddie the ship with Frank Clark came in. Because um, at one stage it looked like we were maybe going to go through the trap door again. Um, so he, he settled settled the thing. But I was looking around the score and he's able to to the team that I had. You know the likes of Gary Flitcoff had gone. Um, you know, Niall Quinn, Paul Walsh, Rosler, uh, so, Nigel, and, and obviously, I think I didn't ask for the move, you know, I never, in all my career, I never asked for a move. Um, so I think, you know, they were looking for the money, um, and I think they got a decent offer, um, from West Ham, and <clears throat> I just looked at it and thought, well, you know, I've tried to be loyal, but, you know, somewhere down the line, I've got to look after my own career. And, you know, it was a great move. I went to West Ham and, and you know, certainly the first five years were, were, were the most enjoyable in my career. Mm. I was going to say, you were part of quite a talented West Ham. You won the Intertoto Cup. There's a name from the past yeah. in 1999. And players like <laughs> yeah. the Canio and Sinclair. That was quite a talented West Ham team, wasn't it? Yeah, listen, we had, we had a lot of attackers. Harry loved to play in the attackers. You know, he was brought up in the DNA of West Ham and, <clears throat> you know, he brought some talented players there and probably um, very underrated. I know Harry gets a bit of stick for being a wheeler and dealer, but there's nobody better at doing that, bringing in players that, you know, maybe other teams don't want and, and, and gel in a team. You know, you look at the people like Paul Kitson, Elf, John Hartson, Enayel Bukovic, Freddie Canuti from out of nowhere. And Freddie went on to have a stellar career at Tottenham and Seville. You know, Paolo, another name dimension, Trevor Sinclair, who couldn't wait. That was, um, you know, and, and the list goes on. So, yeah, we, we had a very good team. And I think certainly at home, we were very much more suited at home because, you know, we would have equal share of the ball and our, our attacking players were, were very good. But away from home, we probably struggled a little bit because we were probably... Um, a little bit open um, to go away and try and grind out, out, out sort of results away from home because very difficult if Eilbergovic plays on a Saturday at home and scores one and creates one 
to say to him, Saturday when you're away at Evans, sorry, I will leave you out. Mm-hmm. It probably would have been the best thing to do, and then around 70 minutes, bring Isle on, and when the game stretched. But well, you know, it, it was difficult, especially when you had people like Isle and Paulo in the team. It was, um, you know, especially away from home when you get very little, you get, you know, very little of the ball. Um, they be, they become passengers. Mm-hmm. If you have to pick, to Kenny Isle or Kinkladzi, who was more skillful, more talented? Uh, two very different players in terms of how they, they manipulate the ball. Paulo was wasn't very quick but he, he his ball skills and he had that chop in the bag where it looked almost you knew what he was doing but mm. you just couldn't stop it. Obviously technical ability, volley, the volley that everybody sees, I think it's the best Premier League goal. Um yeah, superb ability. Um Georgie probably ran faster with a ball than without it. Uh, and his balance was down to his funny. I was very good friends with, with Georgie. His balance was down. His mum made him do ballet when he was younger. Oh, okay. And then that that that's where his strength and and his his balance was good. You know, in terms of being able to 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 move. Like I said, I, I've never seen anybody move and dribble um, like him, apart from maybe like around great gigs. Um, yeah. it, it, I think the problem with Georgie was. Really, he needed to be in a better team, but I think mentally he wanted to be the big fish, and that's with in the small uh, small pond. I think he was similar to that with Parlo. He found his spiritual home at West Ham, and and whether or not he pulled the line at the bigger club, where you know they demand probably to do a little bit more work without the ball. But listen, two two fantastically talented footballers, the best that I played with mm. in terms of natural talent. Um, but both of them probably should have done better with the ability that they had. Mm. Uh, quick word before you go on, on Northern Ireland as well. I mean, it was always a, a difficult pool of players at the, in the 90s. Yeah. Um, you did punch up a great a couple of times. A couple of draws with Germany, I remember, which obviously was maybe a little bit close to home for you. Do you remember those nights? Were they were they big nights for you? Yeah, I remember obviously the Germany game. Um, they were off the back of your, uh, I think, winning Euro 96 and... Mm. A, a tournament that we probably should have qualified for. I think we had the best away record qualifying. Um, so we were disappointed to miss out on, on Euro 96. It would have been a, a great uh, thing. But we uh, Germany won it. And um, I think we I think we actually took the lead with Jerry Taggart scoring the first and Andreas Miller scoring a, a 30-yarder into the top corner. But yeah, listen, great nights. It's just now, obviously... The, the climate's now changed in terms of two teams can qualify and you yeah. know in the Euros and there's a there's a third runner. You know, basically like I said, the groups we normally had would would had had like a Germany and a Portugal and maybe a Turkey thrown in there. So, you know, to actually even get third place would have been, you know, achievement for Northern Ireland. So um it, yeah, it was a tough year and obviously look, would have been great if we had a, a few more Sports in the bigger tournaments for the lesser nations. I think what you've seen, you know, the teams like Wales and Northern Ireland and their fans have certainly added something to the tournaments. Mm-hmm, I agree. And and now you these days you're part of the, a new tournament called the Football Sevens. Quickly tell us yeah. uh, all that involves. Um, there's a lot of money up for grabs. Yeah, it's the biggest um, seven aside tournament ever. You know, there's massive amount of money. It's going to finish with a big tournament over in Dubai. Um, where the, I think the winners could pick up 175 grand. Um, there's going to be 30 odd teams. Ten of them are going to be ex pros, but they can't win the prize money. So I think it's a, the best way to describe it. It's a bit like 
setting aside X Factor where there's going to be TV coverage, great competition from people all over the world and and great exposure. Brilliant. Well, we look forward to that. Uh, Thank you very much for your memories. No problem. Thanks very much for that. Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. This is John Harks, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Thank you very much, Steve Lomas there, talking to us on Alive and Kicking about his memories of the 1990s, as well as that amazing football tournament, the Football Sevens. Check it out for yourselves. Maybe even sign up. Maybe if this is where you heard it, let us know how you get on in the tournament. Thank you very much to Will Moore and Keith Bishop Associates for hooking us up with Steve Lomas. Hopefully we'll do more with them in the future. But now let me let you get back to the season preview of 1992-93, the first ever season of the Premier League. I'm throwing it back over to the guys in 1992. Welcome back to our season preview of 1992-93, a whole new ball game as it's being labelled as the Premier League comes for the first time in this English football season. Uh, we talked about Blackburn before the break. Let's talk about the other two promoted sides. Um, we'll talk about the champions, Ipswich, in a minute. But firstly, Borough, you're the... Borough, I'm going to call you Borough, Joel, you're our Borough boy. Um, talk to us about Borough. You've brought in Chris Morris and Derek Wright from Celtic, Tommy Wright from Leicester. But what will we see from this Borough team in the Premier League this season? It's quite interesting to see what these two lads from uh, Celtic bring. The two, I think Morris is a full-back and White's either a full-back or a centre-back, I think. It's quite interesting. We played, uh, I think it was Tony Mowbray's testimonial happened against Celtic and all the area around Ayrson Park was full of Celtic fans drinking whiskey at 10 o'clock in the morning and I just live right next door to Ayrson Park. So that was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what we do with the money from Ripley. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if we go out and get a replacement for Slaven or whether he thinks that John Hendry and Wilkinson will be the be the best two up front. You know, we've got a couple of young lads coming through. There's Jamie Pollock. Um, we'll see. You know, Pollock's a big tip for the future. You know, he's meant to be, uh, you know, he's a very sort of driving, hard-tackling midfielder. And, you know, there's, there's hope to be had there. I think we'll be sort of... I don't think we'll struggle with relegation. I think we've got enough firepower. But I just think, I don't know, the Bernie thing's a bit disappointing. Mm. And you've also... I mean, Paul Wilkinson, he had a spell at Everton, if I remember rightly. Do you think you can... Do it in the top flight. Is he the striper striker that will score goals in the Premier League and John Hendry as well? Yeah, John Hendry, yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Hendry's a, a player who can play on the wing or up front, you know, So, but he's sort of been transformed into more of a striker with us. But we look, you know, but excellent wing player as well. So we'll see. Perhaps. Wilkinson got 24 goals last season. Um, let, I hope he can transform it. I mean, it's not that big a gap between the first and the second division. Sorry, the Premier League and Division 1 or whatever. <laughs> we have to get used to saying that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just think we'll be all right. There's quite an air of optimism about it. Obviously, Lawrence is quite a different sort of manager in that, you know, his playing career wasn't particularly spectacular. He's just, he had a long time at Charlton, but he's just very intelligent and measured in, in what he does. You know, he's more like a thinking man's manager. So we'll see what happens. But I'm sort of quietly optimistic. I can... I can say this. And plus, you know, there's only us in there from the northeast. You know, number one in the northeast, no Newcastle, no Sunderland. So, you know, no Hartlepool. So, uh, yeah, wonderful. I, th- I think there's reasons to be optimistic. You know, second was 
Second was good. We were happy with that, and you know we'll see what happens. I'm not so sure about Ipswich Town, though, bizarrely. Well, let's talk about Ipswich um, Town. They obviously they won the league last season. They've brought in a, a lad called Buncho Gunchev from Sporting. Um, not much is known about him, so we'll see how he gets on. And then David and Grant Williams from Derby. But I think a lot of is expected on their youngsters. They've got Chris Kiwomia and Jason Dazelle, and then. On the other end of that, John Walk, the great Liverpool defender in, in defence. I mean, Matthew, do you... Former Middlesbrough man. Well. Another former Middlesbrough man as well. And so what do we think of them, Matthew? Do you think Ipswich... And actually, and hold on, <laughs> star of Escape to Victory. Yes, of course, that film from the 70s. Um, I will throw you over to you, Matthew. What do we think of Ipswich and the, the two other promoted teams for you? Are they all got a chance of staying up this season? Yeah, possibly. And before we discuss Ipswich, I just wanted to say to Joel, if you were, Joel, if you were drinking with those Celtic fans, drinking whiskey at 10 o'clock in the morning outside Ayrson Park... You did well to keep up, but seeing as you only just turned sixteen, haven't you? So I mean, really, <laughs> no, I really, didn't yeah. I, was, I didn't say I was drinking with them. I said that they were drinking. Oh, okay, I, so, I, so I, you know, I shuffled pres- through. I shuffled yeah. through the wreck, as it yeah. Shuffled through the wreck and sort of stared at my feet. And yeah, just to say, you know, because obviously it's against the law, and you'd be uh, doing well to keep up with them as being such a young young lad. But you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you'd have managed. But um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Ipswich, yeah, I, I think they'll struggle to be honest. To see, I think I think they've got, say so they've got a few old heads, but then they've got these young kids that are showing a lot of promise. But um, I don't really think they've got much in the middle. That in terms of they've got either a lot of experience or a lot of youth. And um, I think sometimes you need something in between to um, to guide them through, really. And uh, to be honest, looking at the teams that have been promoted, I think they'd probably be my favourites to, to go down. I mean, Middlesbrough, I'm good. I'm glad to see Middlesbrough come back up. I've always enjoyed going to Ayrson Park, the tight little packed stadium there, close to the pitch. I mean, there's rumours down there, Joel, that you're thinking of moving to a new purpose-built stadium. I mean, I, I don't know if that will ever happen. but I believe it. I believe it when I see it. I think they'll end up putting... The problem will be the Holgate end, what they'll do with that, you know, because you can't see the lads bouncing about the Holgate in seats. Yeah. Um, I'd be a sorry, a sorry day if that ever happened, I think. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it would make things terrible for me because I literally live next door. So, uh, <laughs> you know, match day, I can leave my house at two minutes to three and be in there at three o'clock. Fine. Yeah, well, like you say, it'll probably never happen, but, um, yeah. I can't, I can't see where they would get the money from, to be honest, or where it would go. They're not going to put it in the middle of town. They could redevelop what they've got, but I can't see it, really. Well, let's look at the other teams that possibly could be in the relegation mix as well. There's new managers for Norwich and Coventry. Mike Walker has been promoted uh, in the Norwich system. He was the uh, reserve team coach. He's now been promoted to their manager. Not really much known about his style. Of course, they have bought in Mark Robbins for £800,000 uh, to replace Robert Fleck, who's gone to Chelsea. Um, Coventry all now have got Bobby Gould in charge for a second time. They were the lowest scorers in 91-92, so it'd be interesting to see where their goals are going to come from. Uh, Oldham were in and abouts and still could could possibly be sucked into a relegation battle. They have signed Neil Poynton for a club record fee of £600,000, so he will boast bolster their defence. And then the Southampton, of course, lost 15-goal Alan Shearer, but have used the money to bring in Ken Moncow to shore up their defence. And up front, Kerry Dixon and David Speedy, so quite the sort of veteran strike force game there. Um, guys, uh, throw over to you first, Joe. Who do we see might be struggling out, out of those lot? I mean, the Norwich got a lot of good professionals, but do they have enough to stay up? The others in and around there, do you think? Uh, I think we're going to be looking at, you know, the usual suspects, as you said, Southampton, Sheffield United, maybe, Norwich, Ipswich, um, Palace, maybe, you know, they've, uh, I mean, that would, you know, the sort of there there or thereabouts, you know, um, 
they're the ones, you know, you look, you, you mentioned Coventry there, you know, they struggled to score goals, so what have they done? They've brought a defender in from Bradford called Phil Babb. Um, so, highly know, rated, I hear, though. Highly rated, Phil Babb, well, but that's not what know, they need. He's a big lad, but, uh, you know, what do you, if you need goals, buying a defender isn't particularly going to solve that, is it? No, Jonathan Gould's come in as well, a goalkeeper, so I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, there's still time before the, you know, the season gets underway and we get into September, October time. They may have time to bring in somebody then before the season properly gets underway. Um, for you, Matthew, what, what head, where a relegation battle? Who do you see struggling amongst that lot? Well, this won't make good listening if you're listening in uh, East Anglia, but I've already said that Ipswich could struggle. I, I think Norwich will struggle, really. I um I know they've obviously just acquired Mark Robbins from uh, from United, but I can't really see them having enough there to mount any kind of uh, threat to the top half of the table. So I think they'll, um, I think they'll be, I think they'll be dragged into it. Maybe Wimbledon, maybe Wimbledon's time's up. Um, yeah, they've obviously defied the odds for the last four, five, six years, but um, maybe maybe it's their turn to go. Um, I disagree with Forrest. I think Forrest could. Um, I think they could have a good season this season. I think um, obviously they finished seventh or eighth last season. Obviously, cost helped to cost United the league by winning at Old Trafford on the Easter Monday. And um, I still think Brian Clough and Forrest have got a lot, lot in them still to uh, to, to mount the threat. But in terms of um, in terms of the, the relegation places, I would definitely put Norwich in the, uh, in the as one of the teams to. To struggle next next season, this season. Joel said. Um, Joel mentioned Sheffield United there. I hope he's right because we've got them on the opening day of the season at the weekend, and um, I'm hoping we can bounce back and go there and uh, start off with a bang and really uh, get the season get flying. The last thing we want to do there is the last thing we want to do is go somewhere like Sheffield United on the opening game of the season and, and suffer a defeat. Because uh, if that happens, I can't. It's it's going to be a long season. I tell you what's interesting is is people who Tottenham have had like have got rid of four really 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 top-notch players in. Obviously, Gaz has gone to Lazio. Paul Walsh has gone to Portsmouth. Stewart, as we, Stewart and this Porsche, we've mentioned, to Liverpool. And John Moncur as well. So that's interesting. They only seem to have... Uh, they don't really seem to have done anything as of yet. And that, I don't know if you're a Tottenham fan. Are you worried about that? I mean, Gaza we haven't seen for a year anyway. But sort of, there's three very good sort of midfield attacking players there. And I don't know, I'd be a bit worried if I was a Tottenham fan. That's an interesting point. Maybe uh, any Tottenham fans listening could maybe send in a, a, a postcard or something and tell us, or roll right in and maybe tell us what they think might happen this, this coming season. Because well, uh, They've brought in Darren Anderton, who did very well for Portsmouth last season, but there's a lot of pressure on a young star to, to come in and, and replace the likes of Paul Gascoigne and, of course, Paul Stewart. Neil Ruddock's an odd sign-in for them. He's come in at the back and to, to help them and help the guys of Gary Mabbott and the young Stuart Nethercott who's coming through. So they could be ones to, I mean, management-wise, it's a bit iffy there at the moment as well. Obviously, you've got Doug Livermore and uh, Ray Clements coming in as kind of joint coaches. Is not really known what their sort of roles are. So, yeah, the, Tottenham could be an interesting season for them there. And Gary Lineker has obviously left as well. So they've lost those goals from, from, from the strike force as well. So they're, they're going to need some sort of replacement in that area as well. But a good shout, Tottenham to struggle. Um, please get in touch with us. Send your answers on a postcard, as they say. Um, anyone else in the relegation battle? I think we've covered the, the relegation battle. You, Matthew, you mentioned Port, um, sorry, Portsmouth, Nottingham Forest there. They have lost. 
Um, Des Walker, who's gone to Sampdoria, obviously you never beat Des Walker, so that will be a big hole to fill in their back line. To, to, and, and how long has Brian Clough got left? We'll wait and see um, uh, for the rest of the season. A few more teams we haven't mentioned. Um, surprise package of last season, Sheffield Wednesday, who finished in third, of course. Um, they'll be in the UEFA Cup this season. They're going to play in Sporta Luxembourg in the first round. Two big name signings. They've brought Chris Waddle back to English football and Mark Bright from Crystal Palace. Um, could could Sheffield Wednesday possibly improve on third and really maybe threaten at the top, Matthew? Um, I don't know. I mean, like I say, I've tipped up Liverpool uh, to win the league. Uh, Arsenal obviously going to be there. But they might be able to emulate and finish third. I mean, they seem, they've been perennial sort of uh, UEFA Cup uh, qualifiers, haven't they, the last couple of seasons. I, I see them more of a more of a cup threat uh, this season, to be honest. I can see them going going well in the FA Cup and maybe even the League Cup. I think uh, the, the, the way they play and the, the, the players they've got, I see them being more of a cup team than a, than a the, the duration of the long stretch of a of a league season. So, if I was going to have a a cheeky uh, bet, if I was going to go down to William Hill or Labrooks, I would uh, write out my betting slip and probably put Sheffield Wednesday down as my cup team for this season. Yeah, they, they tend to do well in the Cups. Of course, they won the League Cup a couple of seasons ago against Man United, don't they? So, maybe yeah, they may be, and maybe a run in one of the Cups. So I can't see them doing it in both Cup competitions, but maybe the League Cup or the FA Cup. A couple of other teams we haven't mentioned on the show. Um, Joel, Man City finished fifth last season. Spent a bit of money. They've brought in a, a few players. They've got Peter Reid. Uh, they've brought in Gary Flitcroft, Rick Holden, Mike Phelan, Andy Dibble. Can they challenge, or do we think much and much of the same for Man City as well? I think a bit of the same. I mean, the lad Flickcroft from uh, Berry, I think they got him from, you know, so he won't have to move far. Um, yeah, you know, obviously they've got a big support and they're always threatening Man City, but it never quite seems to come off. But let's see what happens with with Peter Reid. It could be quite interesting times for, mm. for everybody up at um, Main Road, you know. And, hopefully, and, you know, obviously they'll be chucked to bits that United didn't win the league last year, so... We'll see, we'll see. Peter Reid, of course, the only player-manager going into 1992-93. Let's see if they can improve on that fifth place or just even match it this season. Uh, a couple other teams we haven't mentioned. Everton, they've brought in Barry Horn and Paul Rideout, but seen off Pat Nevin and Kevin Ratcliffe, two stalwarts of Goodison Park. They should be safe and could be pushing for another mid-table place under Howard Kendall. Uh, Chelsea, they've splashed big on strikers. They've gone for Robert Fleck in a record club record transfer fee, 2.1 million for the Norwich striker who scored 11 goals last season. He's come in alongside John Spencer, the Scottish international. So going for a bit of a little man strike force there, although Mick Harford has also come in, so they've really upped their attacking options at Stamford Bridge. So that'll be a difficult place to go under Ian Porterfield there. My own team, as I mentioned earlier, QPR, very, very quiet at Loftus Road this season. Uh, no transfers in so far, and only Roy Wigley gone the other way. I think Jerry Francis will be relying heavily. Can I ask, can I ask a question about Jerry Francis? You can ask a question about Jerry how Francis. Is he, how, how has he still got that ridiculous 1970s feather mullet? In 1992, it's I mean, it's an impressive dude. hairline as well. It's not like it's um, it's quite thick. I've been quite close to Jerry Francis' hair. It's not like it's thinning at all as well. It's it's quite a big mane he's got there. So he's he's rocking it. I think he still pulls it off. You do not think he pulls it off? No, not at all. <laughs> It's the sort of thing that Rod Stewart would tut at in shame and well, 
he can do no wrong at the moment. You know, we finished 11th last season. I hope we finish, you know, as long as we finish above that, there'll be progress for a, a team like that. I, I expect the lads like Bradley Allen to do better this season. He was coming through the ranks. Uh, well, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you won't win 4-1 at Old Trafford again this season. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think we would. I, I don't see it happening, yeah. but, you know, you never know. On our day at Loftus Road as well, we can beat anyone. So uh, I think we'll be a match for most teams. Um, as I say, look out for Bradley Allen. Darren Peacock's another name that's probably going to do well this season. He came in from Bristol Rovers. Um, and then up front, Les Ferdinand in and out of the team last season, but he'll probably get a good run now, uh, seeing as Wegley's gone as well. So, yeah, there could be a, a surprise factor from QPR. Uh, we briefly mentioned Wimbledon and Sheffield United again, much and muchness. Dean Holdsworth's coming for Wimbledon from uh, the lead, uh, from the second division, actually, from Brentford. Uh, so we'll see how he does um, for the crazy gang. But, of course, they're all constantly push above, uh, punch above their weight, so they probably will continue to do so, as do Sheffield United, who normally don't get started till Christmas, but maybe they get start a bit earlier. As you say, they'll start against Manchester United this weekend. So we'll see how they get on there. Um, before we go, let's just have a quick look at the Golden Boot race. Ian Wright won it last year. Uh, 29 goals in 1992. Um, Joe, who do we fancy in the top scoring rates uh, for, for this season? Well, I'm going to talk about his, his former teammate up at Sheffield Wednesday, Mark Bright. Yeah. I think if, if he's got Waddle feeding him, uh, you know, they could be really important. So, yeah, Mark Bright doing quite well. Uh, sharing them at Forest, I think, you know, obviously he's quality. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, who, who else would you think of? Um, you know, and yeah, you can't rule out Ian Wright, can you really? Mm. There's nobody else jumping out. Maybe, maybe this lad Shearer with you know Ripley. We, you know, if you look at the Borough forward line from last year, 38 goals. I'd like to know how many assists came from uh, Stuart Ripley. How, the, how many came from Stuart Ripley's crosses? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. But yeah um, so yeah, there or thereabouts. But yeah, Mark Bright, I think. Go on, mm. I'm going out with him. Yeah, go on, Alim with Mark Bright. Matthew, for you, I mean, Lee Chapman was Leeds' main man last season. Will we be in? We've heard that David Hurst is someone else that Man United might be sniffing around. He had a great season last year. How, who do you think will be up in there on the on the top scoring ranks? Yeah, Hurst, he's always been a great player for, for Wednesday. He's always found the net against United, ironically, because there's always every year there seems to be a, a link between uh, David Hurst and Manchester United. Um I've obviously tipped Liverpool to win the league. I think, I mean, he's obviously been a great scorer down the years, but I think I think Ian Rush is probably just a little bit too old uh, these days. I'm gonna obviously Alan Smith at Arsenal. He he knows how to. He does. He knows, yeah. knows where the goal is. But you know, I'm gonna. I've got a funny feeling about Dean Saunders as well. I mean, I know he's been linked with Aston Villa. Um, whether he goes to Aston Villa or whether he stays at Liverpool, I just. I know he didn't really uh, set the world alight last season, but um, I can see him doing well. Um, this season, you know, regardless of who he's playing for, he's always got goals in him. So um, uh, he could be my outside bet for the Golden Boot. I think I, I quite fancy Villa this season. I think and they've got a decent uh, a decent lineup there. Obviously, uh, likes of Daly and Atkinson and um, a few uh, a few few top quality players, Steve Staunton and the like. Um, I fancy them to go close. And, and if Saunders gets the goals, then um, then yeah, they might be the team to watch. So I'm going to say. Dean Saunders for top scorer. Yeah, and of course they've brought in Ray Houghton as well from Liverpool. Yeah. So, yeah, we yeah. hadn't mentioned Villa. It was the only team we hadn't mentioned. But, yeah, they could be one to watch as well under mm. uh, under big Ron Atkinson. Um, I'm going to go for Hursty. I think he had a good season last season. I really fancy Wednesday to, to kick on again this season. So, with him and Mark Bright up front, I think that could be quite a tasty partnership for uh, for Sheffield Wednesday. So, Matthew's tipping Liverpool for the title. Joel, who is your... Go on, put your neck on the line. Who are you going for? The first ever uh. winners of the Premier League. Pains me to say this, but I'm, I'm going to say I've written down that I think Leeds. You're going to retain it. 
take it. Yeah, I think uh, I think all that extra experience, like you said, the young lads in midfield, Speed and Batty, you've got Beauty and the Beast there. Um, yeah, I can only see them kicking on. Mm. I'm going to go for Arsenal myself. They are favourites, so it's the easy option. But I do fancy uh, Wright and Smith to really kick on. I, I really liked what I saw of Jon Jensen in the summer as well. So they've got a couple of young lads coming through, like you know Ian Selly. I hear lots of good things about as well. And that back four is unpenetrable at the time. I, I, was, I remember the game last season when they beat Sheffield Wednesday seven-one, wasn't it? So yeah, on their day, I think they're brilliant. I think if they can put that all together, I'm going to go for Arsenal. So there you go. That's that's our tips. For 1992-93, thank you very much, gents, for joining us on this season preview. Um, enjoy the Premier League. We don't know what we're to expect, but hopefully, it's a whole new ball game, as Sky keeps telling us. We'll be there along for the ride. Please join us next time here on Alive and Kicking. Hi, this is Elton Wellsby, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the outstanding 90s football podcast. And there we go. We're back in 2018 after our time-travelling escapades to 1992-93 to preview the first ever season of the Premier League. And it remains for me just to say thank you very much to Joel Young. You can follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at JoelBabyHerk. And of course, Matthew Christ. Follow him at Matthew J. Christ on Twitter for all his articles across a plethora of outlets on the interweb. Uh, thank you to Steve Lomas as well for speaking to us and sharing his memories of the decade. Follow myself at UK on Twitter and on Instagram. But most importantly, follow the show on Twitter at AK90s and now on Instagram at AK90s pod. Share, subscribe, like and rate for us because we'll keep the 90s dream alive. Keep it going here on Alive and Kicking, the original 90s football podcast. Until next time, keep it 90s. Alive.